Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ed Sheeran's thinking out loud to the courtroom in this copyright case. And Taylor Swift's Midnight Rain. You're listening to The The Biz Biz Tape. Tape. Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay, with my lovely host, Coast to Coast, Joseph Wazaleski, joining me. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you, Joe? I was, I was, I'm great. I'm great because I finally, I was telling Colin off mic, I finally joined the Apple cult. Thank you. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. Thank you. I think you Thank should you. specify that it's not like, not to be like anyone should not be an actual by cult. No, actually, keep that. That that part I I emphasize. <laughs> um, no, the part I'm like you're saying is that you got a MacBook, not like you just got an iPhone. Yeah. No, I just bought all of Apple with my money, right? That I have in the bank where money is, and you know Apple's you a know, bank I, now. I did see that. I also saw that like the the. What is it? The Apple credit card or whatever is like horrible interest rate. I would imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's like, it's like putting, it's like going to put people in severe debt. Well, people are still going to get it because it's Apple. Right. You got to have the Apple rules the world. So if you want to join the Apple cult, you can also apply your credit score to it. And yeah, well, I mean, you could do that with a MacBook. A MacBook's like two to three grand. So you can pay it in payments. If people. If people want to tell us their credit scores, they can tell us at the BizTape Podcast, wherever you get your social media fix, uh, or email us at the BizTape Podcast. That is actually a really funny thing. If you just, uh, like, if we make like a. If you just sent the credit score. Yeah, but like, I've, I've you have to checked. listen. No, no, no. You have to listen to the show first. So, like, maybe we'll make a post or something and then be like, you know what to do. And then people should just comment their credit score, but we're not going to say anything on social media about it. And we'll just see people go mm-hmm. 683, 405. Yeah. Like, and people are like, what is going on? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That'd be good. No context. Do Don't that. tell anybody. Yeah. Um, All right. We're going to, we're going to post on, on, uh, 
Instagram a little a little spicy pick, and then you can uh, you can comment under that spicy uh, pick. That sounds like now out. it's gonna be like, are they betting money on this spicy pick? They're We're like, gonna label it spicy pick, okay? When we post it, I'm gonna laugh under, if somebody does this. It. I hope nobody does. You'll this. know which one. <laughs> Um, you'll know which one it is. You'll know. But Colin, one. speaking of cults, uh, I have a I have another story. Sorry, I got stories today. Mm-hmm. Um, I was driving. Uh, there's like you know this this mountain that's like kind of near my place. That's like you know this mountain. <laughs> yeah, it like you separates know, one part of the town from the other part. Yeah, just the sure. casual mountain. In sure, I'm gonna say yes. But uh, you know where like where the Trader Joe's is and where we had breakfast yes, and stuff. Yeah, like I remember layer. the Trader Joe's. Okay. okay, so there's a little pass in the mountain. Like you could go up the mountain and go around and like you could go to the Trader Joe's. Okay, so I'm at the Trader Joe's and then I'm driving back okay. uh, with my partner. And all of a sudden we look and there's this like little nook in with the mountain. And I swear to God, Colin, it was it was literally a cult setup situation it was like it was this little nook yes and it was four like panels with like i it it was like silhouetted figures and then there was a little chapel thing right in the middle of it (laughs) with like i think there was like a pew setup happening as well there was nobody there colin (laughs) whoa it was just sitting out in public, there's no place to park. It's just on now, this mountain. I gotta it was ask. Really you, fucking creepy. Do you, any chance? Just California, you know. Since I live in Tennessee, I have to ask. These Music questions. video. Music video. Do we think it was maybe I, like an art piece? I, do we think it was? Here's like, the thing. If it was, it could be an art piece, maybe. But if it was a music video, they would have tore it. They would have tore it down. I feel like if it was like a filming situation, because it was like flimsy looking. It was. If it was a music video. It wasn't going to be looking too. The too pews good. were flimsy is what you're saying. Like if you sat on me, well, you feel like you were going to fall over. Every Yeah, everything was flimsy looking. That's how like, it would be. I, I, think it, I think it was usable, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It was like, it was a little, it was a little suspect, but it was like we were coming up around it at like the point the sun was going down and it felt very creepy. Everything was in red. It was like red and black. Okay. And it was like some... I, I, I don't want to like embellish, but I feel like it w- there was like a a like goat figure as like the centerpiece thing. It wasn't like a goat. I guess it, I don't know. It was something else. It was like a wolf or something. Well, welcome back but it was to like, the uh, Paranormal Activity 6, uh, Joe's Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I don't even it's know good. where to begin with movie. that. It's a good movie series. I don't series. even know where to end with that. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to choose. Maybe we should just end the podcast. That's it. <laughs> That's it. We're done. I'm going to choose to move on from that and actually get to music business news. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Joe, why don't, you, why don't you start off with this? So we're talking about uh, something that happened in my own backyard that destroyed the city. Oh, yeah. Um, for many Yeah, days. I did not get to witness this, um, but I wish I did. I had a lot of friends go um, during this night in particular. But Taylor Swift had her Midnight Rain performance. Do you like what I did there, Colin? Instead of purple rain, she had her lavender Midnight. haze. <laughs> yeah, but she has a song called Midnight Rain that she played at midnight in the rain in Nashville. You okay, literally could have just made I'll, that I'll just, up. Yeah, I I'll, literally would have I'll, I'll keep going. It. 
No, no, it's true. It's uh, so I mean, Taylor Swift played Nashville's very yeah. own Nissan Stadium this past week during an insane thunderstorm that caused fans and uh, artists alike to take shelter until about 10 p.m., which is four hours after the show was supposed to kick off with Phoebe Bridgers and Gracie Abrams scheduled to open the show. But due to the short amount of time, the production made the decision to cut their sets entirely with Taylor Swift just taking the stage uh, right about like 10 p.m. Um, so there was like so much rain. Uh, Colin, you probably had friends there as well. Mm -hmm. Like there was like everybody was like packed underneath the Nissan like Ottoman. I saw uh, more about this situation. show than the shows that it didn't rain. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this was the most, like, this was also the last night of the three-night run, so it was, like, perfect uh, for her um, and for, like, everything to get picked up. But then I, what's crazy is, like, seeing all the videos, everybody's just, like, sitting in these, like, concrete, like, uh, little areas, and it looks like, you know, like, when you're in school and you're doing a tornado warning. It, yeah, <laughs> like it didn't help, and then, like, the way that, like, just the outfits of Taylor Swift are very, like, you know, very, like, glitzy. Everybody glam. was glammed down. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was, like, wearing pink, and it was, like, crazy, but then, like, you middle school cut dance. to, like... Yeah, I mean, it was... It, it very much is middle school dance, but, like, a lot of sequence, you know? Yeah, right, right. But then, like, cut to... Cut to the actual performance. Uh, the rain was still happening, like during the whole thing. Um, so, those of you wondering about, I guess, like let's go back to like how long it lasted because the whole show lasted until one thirty-five a.m. So ten p.m. to one thirty-five. And this was Sunday, did, right? So this is really Monday this morning. Was Sunday night, she did the whole entire performance, which is it's pretty insane. To think about and those of you wondering about curfew um because we talked about this uh with our last couple of episodes with like coachella and kind of the issues that came with um you know frank ocean set and everything uh nissan stadium is city owned and is not subject to restrictions that other venues face so the local government essentially kept the lights on because they were terrified to let loose 70,000 angry Swifties into the wild, as Billboard puts it. Mm -hmm. So, Colin, I want you to imagine this. You're on Broadway. Already terrible. Keep it's going. Rain. It's rain. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's not a great night. Okay, you're like three drinks in. Someone's going to get mad at me. Someone, but... someone pulled you out there. You're like, oh, this is horrible. <sighs> you look down the street. It's, it's also raining, by the way. It's like raining. It's not fun. You look down the street. And you see an armada of sequence Taylor Swift's Swifties heading down Broadway, coming your way. What is your plan of escape in that moment? The whole, and as you know, like with any concert let out, all of downtown's fucked. Like trying to get out of that sphere is is almost next to impossible it, yeah, because like it, it was gets so, so bad just even without the rain and stuff like that i can attest to that there was a uh, i saw there was a graphic around which you know i can't verify the validity of but taylor swift was playing three nights um janet jackson was also playing bridgestone which was the same thing that happened at in atlanta which was the tour stop before there 
And also there was a like some sort of like brewing convention, like an IPA brewers convention, Music City Center that weekend. And the really icing on the cake is I believe MTSU, Lipscomb, and Belmont, three very major colleges around Nashville, all were having graduation at the same time. Um, so it was nightmarish. So then we add this situation. I don't know what I'm going to do here. I mean, I could start running up Demumbrian, but I'm going to lose steam. That's just a giant hill. Um, <laughs> so is Broadway. Yeah, are you just... Are you just going to like run the east at See, that point? Just barrel but through But that's them? the problem is I got to go <laughs> through them. It's like if I got to go through yeah. the pedestrian bridge, then I'm just literally like, yeah, like, like then I'm in like a left for dead scenario where literally I'm yeah, just Yeah, it's like, going to look like, <laughs> I imagine it's like Lord of the Rings where you're like looking out and you just see all. Right. All the pink, all, all, all everything is just like coming your way. Yeah. And it's just. And everybody uh, in that scenario, like everybody's just been rained on. Yeah, rained on and (laughs) is mad. And so, like, so they're definitely getting drinks. You you know that every single one of them are gonna go. So you're saying, like, if they closed it, maybe at like ten o'clock, they were like, guys, she's not gonna play. But most of them would be canceled at that point. Like, most of the bars would start kind of closing. But at the same time, I don't know. Um, You can't go uptown because if you start going uptown, like, again, you're running up a hill. I'm assuming I'm on foot, by the way. Being in a car sounds worse Mm. in this scenario. Um, Then if you try to go uptown and then maybe across the other bridge near the courthouse, they're also going to be there because that's how you get out of Nissan. It's just, I'm screwed. Like There's no escape. I think I'm literally... It's it's like a zombie I think literally what I have to do is run up to Mumbrian, go to that giant roundabout and just start running towards like west and just like find a spot to like hunker down for like an hour or two and then leave like literally but like you could you could swim in the river if you were truly i'm not touching that water i've seen from second (laughs) avenue what people have done in that water and i'm not touching that water um yeah it's it glows green sometimes i'm not looking at that at weird night. roller coaster monument across the street i'm not looking at any of it <laughs> i refuse to um I, we i had an event one time that was like at the little cafe that's like right next to that thing yeah the wedding venue i just place? remember staring yeah i just remember staring at that thing just trying to figure out what the fuck is the reason <laughs> for it i joke because it it's really like doesn't... a memorial to people who you know had an issue on a roller coaster and sadly passed away that's not what it is it's the weirdest memorial no, look, look up the dollywood memorial I, I yeah literally like i have no <laughs> idea what that memorial's for it's gonna be really sad if it's something bad i'm gonna fight figure out what it is but uh <laughs> anyway uh before we get canceled oh yeah um, absolutely. but anyway so i apologize yes. i'm sorry if that is what <laughs> Whatever that's for. <laughs> I'm hoping that it's like for the, the spirit of America. Apologizing. Um, Colin is sitting down. He's getting ready for his YouTube apology. <laughs> it's, um, it's, <laughs> sorry. Um, anyway, Swift, uh, who is a showwoman uh, to the core, brought out amazing acts during the set, such as Phoebe, who sung Red Taylor's version and Nothing New, as well as bringing out collaborator Aaron Desner from The National, who played along with Taylor um, and was actually with her when the rain started falling down. And they kind of just looked at each other and they said, well, I guess we're doing this thing. Uh, and they continued the show, which is the most metal Taylor Swift show on the planet. Yeah. Trooper. Uh, and what's unfortunate is that Phoebe intro didn't happen this night. Um, which, Colin, have you seen clips of that at all? 
of of she like her walkout so- song is corn uh and it's like it's like metal <laughs> like there's like flames and shit happening on the graphics uh it's so sick um but what a way to close out her uh three knot run in Nashville will call it well first off a serious question uh here um what do you think about the people who had to leave uh, especially like with families, uh, little kids, uh, do you think that they should get their money back in this situation? Um, do you think it's fair that those people who had to leave for a, le- a legitimate reason um, still have to pay these these in- insane um, Live Nation fees, essentially? So I, I do think that... This is where it gets hard, and this is where terms of service come into play, right? Where you had signed this agreement that no one has ever read in their lives with Live Nation to buy this ticket. And, or yeah, I believe it's Live Nation. Yeah. And um, you, you sign this agreement with the promoter. If I'm wrong, maybe it's AG. I don't know. But the point is, is that you sign this agreement. No one's ever read it. And um, one of those is definitely a weather clause of some sort. Um, being like, you know, if you've ever read like an insurance document, you know, the will of God or something like that, it's There's going to be a statement about that. You know what I mean? Like if something crazy happens, then like, sorry, you know what I mean? You, it just mm-hmm. happens. It gets canceled. And at the end of the day, it didn't get canceled. It just got postponed. Um, which is a yeah. very different scenario because then it did get postponed very dramatically like like hours which i i feel like in most cases might not happen well taylor also taylor too, said like, such high demand that like there is no reschedule yeah. like if well you re- it's well and like billboard points out it might be a public safety issue i guess if you're like letting all these people out into the rain oh absolutely like yeah then you're that you're going into shelter in place and all that kind of stuff especially with thunderstorms and you know, very bad torrential rain, which is what people have told me they experience. And, you know, in town, literally less than a couple miles from the police. Yeah, it was pretty bad. You know what I mean? Sunday, it wasn't like scary bad where I was. But if you have 70,000 people, heavy rain and thunderstorms that just ensues, not only like, you know, you get risk of falling, you have risk of, you know, electrical hazards from lightning, but you just also get panic between crowds Mm -hmm. and then, you know, especially with bad weather, people get anxious and all that kind of stuff. So like, I completely agree with, Hey, let's, let's keep these people in place. You know, everybody understands like, we're not doing this on purpose. This is a safety thing. It's the weather. I mean, it sucks, but it's not like we're just like, Hey, there's nothing visibly going on and we're just going to stop the show. It's like, no, it's raining cats and dogs out here and there's thunder, which is the main thing. I mean, Thunder and lightning, which is why they're worried more about it, which is why they kept going even in the little bits of rain that would occur during the show, because you can do it in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, do I think about refunds here? Um, I would be interested in an in a argument for it. Um, I think someone definitely could. And if I was like Live Nation at the end of the day, if you were like really on it, like, hey, guys, we were supposed to get out of here at like 11 o'clock max. And so I had to leave like an hour into Taylor's show or something. Can I get a partial refund? I think you should be able to go. Yeah. Okay. You know, that sucks. And 
Yeah. As a customer service thing, I feel like that's not bad. But at the same time, they delivered, right? Most they pe- did. Most people are buying these tickets. No, no shade to Phoebe or, um, you know, any of the Gracie. other. Yeah, Gracie. Any of the other openers, if this happens too. But, like, most people are buying these tickets to see Taylor Swift, 100%. And then as an added yeah. bonus, these are the openers that maybe you would also like. That's how a lot of people see this, in my opinion. So at the end of the day, Taylor did come on. She did her full set. She continued to do it. She was there. There was an opportunity the day of the ticket. I could totally be like, yeah, you know, I'm satisfied. And I think from a fan perspective, there's a lot of fans like logistically, if I look from their perspective, just be like, oh, the weather sucked. But like literally no one can control that. Right. So, mm-hmm. and especially with like rain and, you know, random sporadic pieces of weather, literally there's no indication, you know. It, Come on, Con, you don't think Live Nation heads oh, weather machine? Yeah. go into their, their sacrificial room and <laughs> pray to the Live Nation God? You mean in the set <laughs> like that you guys saw in California? Yeah, that's where they go. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, that's the Live Nation office, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but like seriously, though, like no one can predict this. So I feel like from Live Nation's perspective, they could totally argue, be like, no, she did play. It was postponed. I mean, it's an extreme postponement. I think that is as far as they could have postponed. You know what I mean? Like four hours. Yeah. That's cutting it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. Yeah. That's I mean, it. it's pretty incredible that she went through the whole set as well. And that's like, the other thing. Dancers it's a like triumph for her, I think, at the end of the day. And especially the from like a tech perspective, that's a very hard thing to do um, is mm-hmm. deal with the rain and the weather and the sporadic nature of it, especially with Taylor, who has choreography and, you know, all this. It's not like she's not a rock band who just stands there. You know what I mean? Like she's doing dance moves. She's running up and down the runway. She's doing costume changes, you know, diving into the stage. Literally like, and so (laughs) I, I think like at the end of the day, that's a testament to her skill and her ability as a performer and her dedication to her fans that she kept on going. Anyway, I, I personally think that because of that and that, how that apparent is like how apparent that is to fans, that the amount of people that probably want a refund is very little. And from a live nation perspective, I bet you it's so little that I would just be like, just give it to them. You know what I mean? Like it's probably an inconsequential amount of people that want this kind of refund. And it's, it's not like, it's not like there's some growing mass that I've heard of that are like, Hey guys, we should all try to get some partial refund from Ticketmaster." And like, there's some, I'm thinking from Ticketmaster's angle, like be like, Oh man, I got to think in my head. If we like start approving refunds, then maybe other people will come through. I, I don't think so. I think a lot of people left that show. And honestly, a lot of people that I saw were kind of like, wow, what a very special experience I had. You know what I mean? Like with Taylor Mm -hmm. when it rained and stuff, like it was almost like that sucked, but I get to be part of something maybe historic, you know, to them. Yeah. So like, it's almost like in a weird way, like that sucked, but that was kind of a cool moment in my life. So I, I, again, I think it's a very, I think the amount of people that would want it, if I was Ticketmaster, I'd be, yeah, take it. I don't care. Whatever. Here you go. You know what I mean? Maybe like less than a thousand people I bet would ask for refunds for this. Um, but 
who knows? Do you do you think so, Colin? From your from your perspective in live entertainment, uh, because you've worked so many events um, and work with event professionals on the day to day. Uh, what are some like, um, what's kind of your perspective of like, what's the run through of like a performance that's dealing with this, I guess, like what's kind of the breakdown of different things that happen. Uh, so, so like our audience kind of has an understanding. Yeah. I mean, like, you got to listen at the end of the day to all of these big events have a very inline safety plan and a very brick and mortar. If this thing happens, we are doing this. And, um, they will follow that, you know, at the end of the day. Um, a lot of times they'll, you know, the production manager will, you know, be with the venue and usually the uh, this large event, there's a safety coordinator, all that kind of stuff, and they will, you know, bring up, hey, guys, I, I'm sure hours before we think it's going to rain right in the middle of the set. Um, we're going to play it by ear, but we got to be prepared. Tell all your people at your respective places. Go tell audio. Go tell video. Go tell lighting. Like, you know, everybody who's involved, go tell, you know, people who are doing makeup and costumes so that it's probably going to rain and we're going to go through our, you know, our kind of step-by-step process, which, you know, if it's going to rain, then you got to prepare on the tech side from, like, protecting the equipment at the end of the day. I mean, you got speakers in the air, it, you know, you got equipment, electronics on the ground, you got lighting in the air, all that kind of stuff, if, especially if there's wind that's a possibility. You have to prepare for, I think we might need to take down this PA. I think we might need to take down this trussing. You know what I mean? Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's not going to survive super torrential winds. It'll survive some, but like not super high, bad storm. I mean, I think everyone here has probably seen a video of a stage collapsing. And that, that's where a lot of it comes from. It's just like high tipping and wind risk. So yeah, they all start in their respective departments taking their own precautions. I mean, being an audio person I am, I would go, all right, anything that we can, you know, if we got tarps with, with literally a weather caddy, like a lot of tours will tour with a weather caddy, like that literally is for this idea that like, hey, it's going to rain for like two hours and then we're going to do the show. Okay, go cover all this random stuff that's exposed with tarps. You know what I mean? Um, and so mm-hmm. they'll start preparing for that. Um, then, you know, obviously the production manager's got to go tell the acts and their respective managers being like, hey, Phoebe, you know, we don't know. It looks like it's going to rain really heavy, but you're going to get delayed. They're going to get delayed and then probably have real talks with either Phoebe or the manager as time goes on going, hey, you know, they've decided to cut your set, all that kind of stuff um, between everybody else, you know, and the showrunner and the promoter and everybody. So they take it one step at a time at the end of the day, but a lot of these are locked in, you know, hey, everybody do your respective things at once. They prepare for this situation. They have literally binders usually that they keep around that say, this is what you do in this scenario. Um, And it goes Mm. from literally something as simple as this it's raining there's lightning all the way to there's an active shooter there's a fire there's a bomb you know what i mean like everything in between there and when you have literally close to seventy thousand people in nissan stadium all running around you cannot mess around with that kind of stuff so yeah i i yeah but it's so funny you said that because my mom actually was like how do they do it in the rain does it suck for the equipment i'm like oh yeah baby it sucks it's so bad um I mean, things get wet. I mean, thankfully, most gear, especially at a 
you know, level that Taylor is, which is, you know, in my opinion right now, the biggest tour in America and probably the biggest tour in the world in terms of like notoriety right now. Um, there is such a level of high performance gear that a lot of this gear is weatherized. You know, a lot of this gear is prepared Mm -hmm. to work in weird conditions, be agile with temperature and humidity and all that kind of stuff. So the main thing for the techs is just trying to keep everything as, you know, operational as possible, which is why you keep with like spares and all this kind of stuff. You know, the idea of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, if Taylor has this pack, like, you know, a wireless pack that she listens to her in-ears, the thing gets dredged with water or something, you know what I mean? Like, and some water goes into place. And most of the time the packs are very well designed to, you know, have water come off of it and stuff and all that kind of stuff. But let's just say something happened. This one's been on tour for a while and water got into it and the pack just like jittered out and it doesn't work anymore. They have to be ready to be like, okay, you have a second pack. You know what I mean? And it might be literally on her body. She might have two packs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she might just switch over the jack in the back of her, like, you know, shirt, go, you know what I mean? Really quick into the other jack and be like, okay, I'm ready to go. So that that's the kind of forethought that you have to have. And especially with weather, then you're going to risk more failure when it comes to literally everything on the stage, not as well as safety at the end of the day. I mean, people fall on stages that are bone dry. So if you got water, like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like I said, you got people doing choreography, you got people dancing, you got all this stuff. And all of that has to be thought from the beginning of the planning process, right? Like you got to think like, oh, well, all this cable can't be on the stage. It can't be in the middle stage. They got to dance here. You know what I mean? And we don't want anybody to trip over. And that's in dry weather. Imagine if it's all wet now. Um, Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like a lot of this is thought through, but with just smart planning from the beginning. Um, but then afterwards, like, you know, if if it's something like Taylor or the venue and everything, it reminds me a lot of um, there's a lot of other notable concerts like Guns N' Roses have one in um, in Los Angeles, I believe, in the late 80s. It's very notable because it caused a giant riot because they canceled last minute. Um Mm. It literally people are rioting in the streets, like flipping cars over, doing this stuff because they're so upset yeah. that this didn't happen. I can see, I can see Swifties doing that, right? You know what I mean. <laughs> Swifties I, I, on par with Guns and Roses. I would fans. say there's different crowds. You know what I mean. But at the same time, you just don't know. Oh, I, I'm, I'm truly serious. I can, I can see, oh. I can see Swifties taking over the world. Honestly, well, yeah, if they wanted to, I think so too. I just think the thing is, is that you know. With 70,000 people, if you think they can't do something, I guarantee you they can. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's just all this weather stuff causes so much more of a risk for the crew and also risk for Taylor and the team and the equipment. So for them doing that, that really shows like, hey, we are choosing as a, a community that is on this tour, you know, to do our best to power through because we want to make sure these 70,000 fans are one, obviously getting their money's worth Two, They've been waiting in the rain forever. And three, we don't want anything crazy to potentially happen. You know what I mean? Like we don't want, mm-hmm. you know, a mob mentality to just randomly break out. I'm not going to say that like, Oh, of course I would think Swifties would do this. I'm just saying when you have 70,000 people that all have, you know, a upset 
anxious emotion, you do not know what will happen. You know what I mean? Um, and so you have to prepare for the worst. So I think this was the move at the end of the day was to keep going through it. And I'm glad the, um, city government just, you know, Nashville didn't do anything to like, be like, ah, let's just get rid of it. It's like 12 o'clock. It's too late. Yeah. It's a Monday. Like, I'm really glad that it was like, okay, let's keep going. You know what I mean? And even though it was one thirty-five AM, I think a lot of people thankfully did have a really good time. And I've heard nobody say like, Oh, wow, that sucked. You know, there was like, it rained or whatever, and there was a bunch of technical difficulties. No, they powered through it. They were ready. You know what I mean? That crew and Taylor were. So I I think they created, out of a bad experience, a very unique experience for people that people will go, I was there. You know what I mean? In 2023. I think people are going to be really, yeah, really stoked about it. So, Um, so. all in all, pretty great great concert experience honestly yeah and that's hard a, to take i love that. a rain show that's really hard to take from a very very obtusive neg or obtuse negative experience like literally that should just be oh this is gonna suck to make it into an event it, it almost reminds me it reminds me in the same way but even less so because again she's playing for four hours it's raining it's not raining it's raining it's not raining but like when prince played you know the super bowl while it was raining right yeah like that's the so but she did it for like four hours so good good on her and her team for powering through that. witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Well, Colin, what is up next? All right, let's talk about this. Um, people have asked me to talk about this. I was waiting for it to conclude before we really talked about it. We're talking about uh, Ed Sheeran and this copyright case he's been involved with. Which, which inc- concluded pretty fast. I thought it was going to take a lot more time, right? honestly. So this was a very notable case for a couple reasons. It, um, it had the potential to be as huge of a case that we've talked about it multiple times on the show, but you can look into it yourself is the blurred lines versus Marvin Gaye case um, where it has huge ramifications of what is considered precedent for copyright specifically with songs. And the two parties involved in this case that we're going to talk about right now are sadly very not unfamiliar with the legal system. And so the first one is Ed Sheeran. So Ed Sheeran obviously has been, and I'll get into it later, been out of the court system literally since the 2010s with various consistent copyright battles over and over and over. And he's just been getting it literally since his career really started to plateau like with copyright claims and all this kind of stuff. Um, the mm-hmm. song that this time Ed is getting accosted with was Thinking Out Loud. Um which, you know, a lot of people know because it was a huge mega hit song. 
Um, and it was at the forefront of everything for a very good amount of time. And then it kind of fell out, but it's one of Ed's signature songs that he takes a lot of pride in. And so this lawsuit that was brought against him specifically was by the family of Ed Townsend, um, which are we noticing a trend here? Um, I hear a lot of the family of, and not a lot of the artists doing this a lot of the time, but Ed Townsend was the co-writer with Marvin Gaye. And Marvin Gaye and him wrote the signature hit, Let's Get It On, which they allege that Thinking Out Loud took the rhythm, chord progression, and other elements from, without the permission, from the 1973 song by Marvin Gaye. So, again, all three of those things, rhythm, copyright, or rhythm, chord progression, and other elements by themselves are not copyrightable, but together are the core basis of a song, right? So what they're trying to say is like, hey, you have copied, or this is derivative, is what the word would be, from our song, and together your elements add up to something that is applicable and also very easy to notice that this is a copy or derivative of our song, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the guy who's the who's the attorney for the plaintiffs, and so that would be Ed Townsend and them, is a guy named Ben Crump. And he alleged that uh, Sheeran, quote, recognized the magic, let's get it on, and infringed <laughs> on its copyright for the tune, and that the case is about giving credit where credit is due. Sure. Damn right. Sure it is. <laughs> um, so Ed Sheeran... Again, I'll tell you what the songs are. It's Let's Get It On and Thinking Out Loud. If you want to pause this right now, I found a YouTube video of them like kind of played like one section of one and one section of the other. And you're going to see, not spoilers, how ridiculous this case is. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, Ed Sheeran has been fighting this fight literally forever. And he's freaking done with courts. Like, he is so done with it. Like, he even went on to state... That, like, if this case went on and he lost, he said, quote, if that happens, I'm done. I'm stopping. Which he's talking about playing music and writing songs. Yeah. Which is insane. Right. He goes, I find it really insulting to work my whole life as a singer-songwriter and diminish it. Which I don't blame him. Because if you listen to those two songs back to back, what the hell is the connection other than the key is the same? It's there's zero connection at all. And like, that's the thing that like, what's funny is like the comments, sometimes the YouTube comments really hit, you know, but I love like where everyone's just like, especially the Marvin Gaye estate, they're known to sue a bunch of people. Um, and it is, it's funny. Cause it's like, yeah, that chord progression was the same. We own that chord progression because our father did it one time. And now he owns that chord progression. No, that's not how songwriting works. It's not how the process of it works. And they're trying to monopolize songwriting in a horrible way. And what's truly, what's honestly truly dumbfounded about this whole situation is like, I don't think Marvin Gaye would have wanted this at all. Or either Ed Townsend or anything. Yeah, I, I just don't think their families were in touch enough to, of like how the industry actually works for them to uh, 
like they don't have any stake in the industry besides they view it as like, oh, this is our piggy bank. We can just like keep gushing some coins out of this thing, you know? And it's it's truly sad. It's it's very sad, especially because his estate, the Marvin Gaye estate, is so wealthy already. Right. Like, do you need more money from people? At the end of the day. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I'll, I'll drop off my soapbox. No, I mean, I think you're hitting. It, I think you're hitting it right on the nail. I mean, it's kind of insane. Like, if you again, I encourage you to listen to both songs. And come back to me and tell me, like, and go, this song, I would immediately go, oh. And I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. I understand from, like, a basic earworm thing going, there's a similarity there. But there's so many songs that are similar that it is insane that this would be enough to go, hey, this is effectively the same song, right? And so... Let, let me tell you a little bit about the court case. Um, Ed was not messing around. <laughs> he literally was like m- multiple times taking the stand. He would take the stand and he would literally bring his guitar out and sing to the cor- to the court, just showing them the differences, like going like, this mm-hmm. is different. This is that like literally uh, he is at the lowest level showing the differences between these songs. And here, there was this, yeah, at least they got a free chair. I apparently right, um, <laughs> and he he was literally not having it, especially with this musicologist. He was not having it. So the plaintiffs, the Townsend family, brought in this guy named Alexander Stewart, and he's a musicologist, which usually, in my experience, only comes up when there's a copyright case. I don't I don't hear a lot about musicologists unless we got to prove that somebody uh, violated copyright. Um, but basically, Alexander Stewart. Um, was brought by the Townsend family to show the similarities between the song, which I do agree there are similarities, but not enough to be copyrightably like the same or derivative, right? Like mm-hmm. you can hear there's like a downward inflection in like some of the lines or whatever. You can hear like the keys the same or whatever, but literally people are laughing at this guy on the stand. He tried to play this like AI version of both songs to show that they were the same. And literally the court started no, he laughing. He did. He literally Are you did. Serious? Yes, Ed. Ed. Oh. Uh, apparently, it, it was. It was written that Ed was like hiding a smile because he thought it was so bad. Like it looked like he's trying not to laugh because obviously he's in court and this is very serious. Um, yeah. They also showed, um, which this was hilarious to me. They showed live footage where Sheeran played both songs like back to back in a concert. So, like, he's playing mm-hmm. Thinking Out Loud, do a little transition, and then they play Let's Get It On, right? And what's crazy about that is that, like, they were so, the plaintiffs, the Townsend family was so, like, we got them with this. They said, quite simply, to, like, <laughs> I can't believe it. The plaintiffs <laughs> yeah, said, Yeah, it was smoking, smoking gun. Yeah. Right? That's what they said. Yeah, he said it was the smoking gun, and then they said it was tantamount to a confession. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran rebutted with, it's quite simple to weave songs in and out of each other, <laughs> especially when they're in the same key. <laughs> and then my favorite was, after the musicologist goes, all the smoking gun stuff, Ed Sheeran takes the stand and basically tells, the plaintiff's attorney is cross-examining him, asking him questions, and they asked about the musicologist, and he goes, if I can be honest, I think what he's doing here is criminal. 
which is wild. <laughs> Wait, who said that? Ed, Ed Sheeran. That? He's talking about the musicologist. Oh, he said, if I can be honest, I think what he's doing here is criminal. Talking about the musicologist. Whoa. <laughs> And uh, I'll leave you with this. Townsend's daughter, who's the lead plaintiff, uh, whose name is Catherine Thompson Griffin, uh, Townsend Griffin, took the witness stand and also said, he go, she goes, well, she, she didn't say the well, but I like to imagine she did. She goes, well, Ed Sheeran is a great artist with a great future. Like, he's not a giant artist already. Like, he's like, you mm-hmm. know, playing little. Yeah, he, he's okay. He'll have a moment. <laughs> he'll, get, he'll get there, you know, like, like he's not giant. It's like me. Pat on the back. It's literally like me being like Taylor Swift, a great artist with a great future. You know what I mean? It's like, all right. Well, calm you down. know what? Um, Maybe this guy should do the music thing. Something tells me. It, it's got that tone. It's like those documentaries where like, you know, it'd be like, Led Zeppelin talking about like, you know, Robert Plant talking about like Greta Van Pleet be like, those kids got a great future. You know what I mean? Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but he's, she said, quote, I have to protect my father's legacy. So they lost plain and simple. Um, Ed Sheeran did win the case and was delighted for many reasons, because like I told you, he's literally been in court cases since the 2010s. Ever since he got really big around 2013, 2014, it is amazing how many court cases he's been in. One of the most notable ones was also, I was just going to mention really quickly was, and this is the one we talked about a bit is uh, he was involved in a copyright suit for the shape of you. And these like two grime artists went after him. Right. And said, Hey, Mm -hmm. you stole our song again, in my opinion, just like this one, two very different songs that I would be like, they're in the same key and they have maybe like a downward inflection. You know what I mean? But I would never confuse these two songs together. I don't think like it uses a part of it or anything like that. Um, But the point that I'm trying to say is that I wonder with this because Ed Sheeran recently, and this is a recent development, won, uh, like from my understanding, more compensation from the Grimes artists and now, like, those grime rappers have to pay Ed Sheeran $1.1 million in legal fees. Whoa. <laughs> Which, That's insane. Like, and this was, I, I should mention, this is a... in the UK court, so it's a little bit different. But, like, um, yeah, they're ordering that they pay $1.1 million in legal fees because, to be honest, if I'm Ed Sheeran and I'm getting all these cases because... Guys, look at the freaking numbers of Ed Sheeran. I've talked about how he was literally one of the biggest touring artists of last year. And we, you know, he doesn't get mentioned. He's still a huge artist. So he's a big target, right? And Mm -hmm. like, and he makes pop music. So it's even a bigger target, right? So like, he basically is just saying, can I have my lawyer fees? It cost me a million dollars in lawyer fees to defend all this shit and all the travel to go to where I needed to go, all this kind of stuff, right? Like, it's not outrageous. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm kind of, no. I'm I'm wondering if he's going to get or try to get something similar to that in this case to go, you knew this case was not worth anyone's time. And it, w- it was so much not worth anyone's time. It took a week. It literally it took, a, took week. a week. Because the judge was like, and, and the jury were like, this is dumb. And I wonder <laughs> if... Like, you know, we could see somebody come from Ed Sheeran's camp and go, you owe us legal fees. 
give us legal fees because you wasted our time and something close to that. And, you know, not to be like he has precedent, but he kind of has precedent. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be like, yeah, these other people sued me and I would like, you know, money for that too. So I would not be surprised if he comes after this estate. And to be honest, Joe, I kind of wanted to open up to that. We've seen a lot in the last 20 years, you know, when me and you were coming up through the industry, a lot of these fruitless lawsuits, personally, I think partially due to the ease of access of the internet, you know, and everything when it comes to music and being able to compare music so openly there's even music there's even videos i can find on youtube four years ago that are like just making a fun hypothetical argument should thinking out loud is thinking out loud close to uh let's get it on like literally there's videos from four years ago so the internet's adding to this and then there's families that have money that you know are trying to reap the rewards of these copyrights they inherit from the estate. Do we think we should have some more penalties towards these families like that are just going after some of these, in my opinion, frivolous lawsuits? To be honest, I I'm back and forth on it because like on one level, I'm like, yes, I, I do think so because like there is a level of this is different than like someone actually suing that's like a lower level artist. I feel like because these people have done it so many times in the in the past and they've they've literally made careers off of winning their legal battles um from their father's estate essentially. Um and what's I feel like is kind of a a tricky situation is where where it could it could actually potentially if if those restrictions were put into place it could really restrict someone whose situation was like this is blatant copyright infringement uh and they have like a bad judge and a bad jury that's you know? true um and so like there is a level of that that i'm like mm, maybe not however maybe there's like a sliding scale of it of like these people are really trying to there, there's a level of like what I like about it is is if you lose and you have to pay all this money to the person that you were trying to sue at the beginning, uh, it does set a precedent to other people thinking about suing that, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that. Right. Maybe I should maybe I should double check my sources here or put more thought into it. And maybe maybe it would get rid of a lot of these frivolous lawsuits. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think they're so. pervasive in the music industry, and and they always have been to an extent. But I, I really think like we do need some of the precedent of being like, hey, you brought something. Obviously, this is very interpretive, but like the idea of being like, hey, I should be able to sue you for this stuff because I want my legal fees. You know what I mean? Because you sued yeah. me, and. Like, on top of that, I think for some people, you could even argue damages to be like, people thought I just copied other people's songs because of you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, maybe I lost a record deal. Maybe I lost a publishing deal because they thought, oh, no, you might write a song that will cause a giant lawsuit. You know what I mean? So I wonder from that aspect if we could see some formal kind of maybe even legislation if we want to go that far, but definitely precedent of going, hey, if you're going to give us these frivolous lawsuits, then I'm coming after you back. You know what I mean? Especially for music stuff. And um, I, I don't really know. I, I definitely think 
And I, I want your opinion about this, Joe. I think this is definitely a unique era of these battles because of the tools and the ease of access that we have with music. I mean, to mm-hmm. be honest, to really be honest, like the ability and fastness of like getting a lawyer representation and stuff has been sped up dramatically. The amount of people that know about this copyright issues and the power of owning these copyrights has gone up dramatically. And then just the ease of access of music. I mean, if you go back, like literally if you go back to forties and like thirties and fifties records, yeah, all the time you go, this is the same song. This is the exact same song. Like it is ungodly the same song. But I wonder if, like, you know, people were making YouTube videos. That was kind of part of the culture of it, right? Too, but making music. I wonder if, like, I think there's a balance. I definitely think there's a balance. And I think, as like as a legal system, we are still figuring out what the balance is in terms of copyrights. But I think because of the ease of access of everything with the internet and streaming specifically, I think we're figuring out. Oh God, we got to figure out this issue fast. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Ed, again, Ed's gone through at least three or four of these lawsuits, and we've covered at least, I believe, two of them on the show. And um, it, it's really draining. And thankfully, Ed is, you know, in a position to have more resources to defend himself. You know what I mean? But it, it is also like I don't think it's necessarily a thing that we need to be like, oh, this is just part of being a musician that's big. You're just going to get sued by a thousand people because your song, you know what I mean? Again, he is getting sued mm-hmm. only because his song vaguely has a hint of sounding similar and he's having close to a million dollars in legal fees. And yeah. I wonder, like I'm saying, if there needs to be legislation around that going like, hey, if you guys are doing all these, and I know there's slap laws and all that kind of stuff with, like for frivolous lawsuits, but maybe specifically towards music stuff and precedent towards that going, hey, you can't just keep doing it. And we could go, I mean, I could go on and on about this is like also the families, right? We're talking about families. I really don't think, like you're saying, a lot of songwriters understand in get the culture of you take the nuances from one person and a nuance from another in your own and you mix them all together and that's your music. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, especially families who are maybe not as like high profile and you know, they could be musicians, but what I mean by like who have a high level of nuance with music, not saying that I do by any means, I want to throw that in there, but people who really understand the craft can go, no, I can hear and see the difference in that. But maybe if you're Joe Schmo out there, you'd be like, this is the same song. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing. And then they go, mm-hmm. we should go sue them. And then you go talk to some lawyer. And then like they're like, Ed Sheeran's worth how much amount of money? Let's just sue him anyway. Maybe we'll win. Like, Maybe he'll just be like, here's $100,000, go away. You know what I mean? Um, so I honestly think it is part of also the length of a copyright, you know? The life of an author, what is it, plus 120 years, I think is what it is, which is insane. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and with the plethora of information out there and the ability to compare these songs that are able, I think we're just, like I said, I think we're just going to see more and more. So I, I, I don't think we're necessarily, I don't want to go from the front end. 
I don't want to go from the front end and say, hey, you need to have this burden of proof to have a lawsuit about copyright because I, I agree with you. I think there are people that are going to get lost in transit. I think it's more of you better have it. You better really believe in this like 100% because if you don't, you're paying it at Sheeran's legal fees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, someone smarter than I is going to have to come up with a way legally, I think, to figure out like how the precedent for that would be. But I don't know. Um, it's, it's all about, you know, at the end of the day, music is very cyclical. I mean, there's new things that develop with technology and stuff, but there's sounds that just repeat over and over and over. Um, not to be like, we've discovered everything with music, but like we kind of have discovered a lot of things with music. Um, and there's things that fall in and out of fashion. You can see that with any media, literally like fashion is another example, you know, one year style is another year's faux pas, that kind of stuff. And the same thing with music Mm -hmm. where they're just going to copy stuff. And I think it's really important to note, like in this period, let, let, let me take you back to deep. What is it? what would that be? God, I feel so old. Almost 10 years ago, (laughs) um, when thinking out loud and that whole Ed Sheeran kind of wave really started, Ed Sheeran was an oddity at the time because we had gone through, I mean, I remember growing up through this, everything became super electronic heavy in the late 2010s. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. or the early 2010s. We had like the real rise of trap music. We had EDM really become EDM. You know what I mean? We had, I mean, for God's sakes, Taylor Swift was releasing albums that sound like EDM music now. You know what I mean? And um, Ed came out and people were like, oh my God, this is a breath of fresh air on popular radio. It's, it's just a, you know, guy with a guitar and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's what rose him to fame is that he had that kind of stuff that was cyclical. Like it, it wasn't in the fold anymore, right? It wasn't a part of popular music right then. And do I think like part of it could be like, yeah, it was influenced by older music. Absolutely. There's actually a quote in here that says his producers called this song, his Van Morrison song, right? Like, yeah. And and so like I think there is merit to going, oh yeah, 100% they're going to be influenced by it. But you don't own a chord progression. You don't own everything that is Ed Sheeran in that song. He didn't cover your song. He made a completely new song. That happens to be in the same key. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying is like I think innately music is very cyclical and the more it, it's not a problem with music. I will say that. Um, and I, I personally believe that. And we did a poll, which, Joe, I'd, I'd, I'd love to know your information about this, but I'm personally, I, I don't believe so. Because in general, does popular music copy too much from past music? And 64% of you said no, and 36% of you said yes, which I am more in the camp of no. You know, it, mm-hmm. it is, there is, there is a couple things that drive new sound. I, and new technology is one, you know, we're seeing that with AI and all that kind of stuff. We're seeing that with just stylistic tastes that come up, but also there is a cyclical nature to music where it just comes back through the fold. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, I don't think artists should be punished for that because how do you learn a craft without watching other craftsmen without trying to be another Picasso? Well, and everybody's influenced at the end of the day. Everybody's been influenced by another artist. There's literally, I mean, there's millennia of artists that have come and died and have made amazing work that we still somewhat recreate 
to this day. Um, and I mean, like, look at how many fucking TV shows and movies rip off Shakespeare. Right. But everybody's like, oh, if you do that, then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, that means you're deep. But it's like, no, you're just ripping off Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. And at the end you know? of the day, but it's, like, it's, it's like weird how cut and dry the legal system is with songs sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We can all like, that's a great example. It's like, we can all look at a movie that's almost the exact same plot, but we don't see all these lawsuits. That's like, Hey, this is a sleepless in Seattle. Basically again, we're suing you No, yeah. Um, this is dances with wolves again. All right, go after James Cameron and avatar. You know what I mean? Like we don't see that in other art stuff. So it's weird that like songs are policed to a different level than everything else. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, to be honest, Colin, I think the reason that is, is because lawsuits and people suing for it have gotten away with it. So, so much more in the music space yeah, than in a visual space. I would agree. I, I think like with the visual medium, you have more information to base off of. And so like a lot more people have to like, to be honest, when you're watching a TV show and you're like, shit, shit looks weird. Like you don't have to be a master filmmaker to know when something looks off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like I think like with music when it when it comes to the craft of music of like writing the song there is a little bit of like back end knowledge or talent that you have to have that like I think a lot of everyday people struggle with visualizing. Right. If that makes sense. Like how to write a song. Like this is the way, you know. These are the differences. I yeah, and Sometimes that's kind of what I'm saying. People are just like, "This is a good song," <laughs> right? Exactly, and that's completely fine. I mean, like at the same time that like maybe I get a piece of furniture by some craftsman, and then another person tries to copy it, and then I show it to the first craftsman, and they go, "Ah, this isn't even the freaking same." You see these planter joints? Not even close. You know what I mean? I'd be like, "What are you talking about?" You know what I mean? Like, but to yeah. them, they can see that kind of stuff. And I think you're completely right, especially with the family angle. I think there is sometimes going, oh, yeah, for sure. And then a musicologist gets to have his own check being like, oh, yeah, they're similar. Let me point it out. It'll be like $30,000 for me to point it out. But I'll do it. You know what I mean? Um, If you win, I don't care. I still get a check in the end. But at the end of the day, I think – or credit is the other thing. I I think, yeah, it's it's a uh, fight that's going to keep going on. And not to be a red, not to like, I hate red herring arguments being like, what about this? But like, also I have listened to songs that are five times more, you know, that I go, Oh, I I've turned to Joe in a car and been like, they're going to get sued for this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't get sued. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's also because I think a lot of people are like, what's the harm? Right, and I think the there's a respect to that culture of this is influence or this is a um, kind of a, you know, maybe an encore or a tribute to what we're influenced by, right? And I think there is a line for that, but I I still think, and I don't think we ever will get there, but I especially think in the amount of data and stuff that we have now in the internet age, we have no idea how to make that determination yet. It is just all whatever, you know, Whatever the judge that's there and the court that's there figures it out, and that's what's scary and determines precedent. And that's what's the job of the court to uphold is go, well, in this one case, this could have giant legal ramifications beyond this one thing. I could not imagine if he lost. 
what would happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because again, we I, and I will literally mess, mention this until I die on the show is the Marvin Gaye board lines case is one of the most important copyright cases in the history of music copyright. Um, and it's, it all comes to, I, I, again, I don't think we would even have this lawsuit without that case. And that's how it all builds up together. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, 
You can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Well, have you been listening to Marvin Gaye this week, Colin? I actually did listen to what's going on, like the whole album, funny enough. At work, I was like, writing the, I was writing this down, and I was like, Father, Father, and I, you know, just going through all that. But um, yeah, I was listening to oh, that. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, what about what about you? Um, I've been listening. Girl House came out with a new EP. It's called the fourth EP. It is so masterfully done. Um, it's such a it's such a great piece of work. Um, definitely recommend checking it out. They, uh, they're based in Nashville actually, but I think perhaps might be relocating. I'm not sure, but, uh, Nashville act. It's amazing. Um, and then M83 came out with new stuff, which is crazy. Uh, new track amnesia. It's pretty cool. Definitely recommend checking it out. I had, uh, um, I was going to tell you, I, uh, I was listening to, there's a new song that I think you would like because I know your interests. Um, and it is called, um, it's by Wolfman, which is um, Jack. Wolfpack's Vol- cousin? Yeah, literally. Literally. Not even joking. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, Jack from Wolfpack. Like, that's his, like, solo project is Wolfman, which I like. Because Wolfpack's kind of been, mm-hmm. like, on this, like, hiatus. Like, somebody put it so eloquently at work. They went, yeah, Wolfpack just, like, randomly like now just like joins together sells out Madison Square Garden and then they leave. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. It's it's really weird, but that's yeah. kind of awesome. I think they're going to be like one of those bands that it's like they're so famous but they're not. You know what it you know what you know what it reminds me of? It's like legendary. I was thinking about this Boston. the other day. The band Boston. Bo- Boston's actually a good example. Um, but they're, they were more mainstream. I almost want to say Oingo Boingo because people <laughs> know about one. Oingo Boingo. Yeah. And people in Chicago. Yeah. But like, still, well, Chicago know, had Chicago's hits. pretty massive. Chicago yeah. had big hits. I mean, like, so I don't know, you know, uh, America, that's Vol- the one Wolfman, uh, which is like Jack, who's Jack Stratton, who's like the leader of it has this new song. I really like it's called, I can't party. Um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it, it it's like everyone's putting it like the fans commenting on it put it in the best way. It is like cake, like the band Cake, mm-hmm. but it's like modern cake, which I thought was really interesting. It's like a funkier cake because it's very monologue esque, you know, and it's just got like a bunch of dry humor jokes in it the entire time. That you know, dark like that kind of dry humor where they just leave the joke on the table and it's just long pauses after saying a joke, but uh. <laughs> Go, quick, yeah, go listen to it. Um, the YouTube video for it's really good. It's so simplistic that it's like great. You know what I mean? And um, I, I, I really like it. I'm very excited to see if Wolfpack will actually make some more stuff here in a second. So, and I'm gonna listen to Cake right now, dude. We have a fight at work at Cake. Um, but uh, with Cake, you got you got into yeah, a fight with Cake. No, no, no. So like they <laughs> hate Cake at work. 
Like, oh no, here's like some detractors. And then I got one guy who likes cake, so I'll just put on cake and I'll just watch them all go, God damn it. And then the funniest one, <laughs> and then the one guy going, yeah. And then the funniest one is there's uh, one person that doesn't know anything about cake. And so I'll play it and I'll play like the weird covers they do. Like if you want a good example, uh, look up I Will Survive. I will survive. Yeah. I look yeah. up I Will Survive by cake. And I remember they looked at me and they go, like with a puzzling look on their face, brow crossed, all this stuff. And they just look at me as the song starts playing and they just go, I don't like this. Thanks for listening to The Biz Tape. You're all things music business and media podcast. We sure do appreciate you out there. If you want to go one step further for us, it really helps out the show. Follow us at The Biz Tape pretty much everywhere. That's probably the best way to support the show as well as sharing it to a friend. You know, if you give it to one friend, then you give it to another friend, and he gives it to two friends, we'll have like, what is that, like 7 million people right there. Anyways, guys, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.